Need to get some holiday shopping done and want to give something entertaining and educational? Art Curious, stories of the unexpected, slightly odd, and strangely wonderful in art history has you covered. Art Curious, the book, is an ideal holiday present for the art newbie and art lover alike, as well as the perfect paperback for anyone who loves a good and weird story, like whether a British painter was one of the most notorious serial killers in history, how two women in the late 19th and early 20th centuries may have beaten Vasily Kandinsky to the punch when it comes to being deemed the world's first totally abstract artists, and whether Renaissance artists really stole corpses to inspire their masterworks. Get Art Curious now wherever you buy your books, audiobooks, and ebooks. Find out all the details at our website, artcuriousbook.com. The Art Curious podcast is primarily sponsored by AnchorLight. For more information, please visit anchorlightraleigh.com. I was in my undergrad art history classes a long time ago. Like, we're talking almost a couple of decades now. That makes me feel really old but I still remember it like it was yesterday. I remember especially getting to dig into Vincent van Gogh's life and works, because who didn't want to hear all about Vincent, our beloved ideal of the tortured genius artist? One afternoon, a portrait by van Gogh popped up in the slide presentation in class, and what was curious is that we really didn't discuss the work in terms of its importance or what it represented or much else about it, really. What we discussed instead was its value. How much money had been spent upon this single canvas. And that's because it was a fascinating case study that, strangely, mirrors almost exactly a situation occurring right now. Here was a painting that broke all previous world records for the most expensive work ever sold at an art auction. And the exact whereabouts, perhaps even its continued existence, is still unknown. Some people think that visual art is dry, boring, lifeless. But the stories behind those paintings, sculptures, drawings, and photographs are weirder, more outrageous, or more fun than you can imagine. This season, season eight, we are exploring examples of some of the most expensive artworks ever sold at auction and beyond, and considering why they garnered so much money. Continuing with one of the first big sellers of the late 20th century, Vincent van Gogh's Portrait of Dr. Gachet. And even more fascinatingly, where it has gone. This is the Art Curious Podcast, exploring the unexpected, the slightly odd, and the strangely wonderful in art history. I'm Jennifer Dassel. As we have discovered thus far in this season of the podcast, every piece of art that is placed on an auction block at a prestigious house like Sotheby's or Christie's has an elaborate history from the day the paint dried on the canvas to the day the current owner claimed it. It's a really great reminder that the story of a work of art doesn't end with the death of the artist, or even when it is sold for the first, second, or seventh time. The provenance, or the ownership and location history of the work of art throughout time, and continuing on into our present moment, just adds to this story. And in some cases, it makes it even more important. Or, as we will see in our episode today, even weirder and more mysterious. In this case, 
It's not as simple as your typical provenance, where you trace the work of art from an artist's studio to a gallery or a collector and onward, perhaps, to an art museum. Sure, you can do that with Van Gogh's portrait of Dr. Gachet, but then the trail goes strangely cold, especially since it made the biggest headlines the world over after it was sold in the last decade of the 20th century. But we need to back up earlier than that first, because we're getting a little ahead of our story. It's not an exaggeration to say that the world was floored, aghast even, when the portrait of Dr. Gachet sold at Christie's in 1990 for $82.5 million. Now, compared to the $400-plus million that was dropped on the purported Leonardo da Vinci painting, Salvatore Mundi, more on that in my book, Art Curious, that sales amount seems trivial. And even with an increased price of $160 million in today's money when accounting for inflation, it's obviously big, but not big enough. And yes, we probably should take a moment to reflect on the sheer ridiculousness of me noting that any amount of money with that many zeros in it could be considered trivial. But yeah, we're in post-Salvatore Monday times, and these times are weird. Anyway, back to 1990. When Dr. Gachet sold at that $82.5 million price, it was a landslide, a breakthrough moment, breaking every single record for the most expensive piece of art ever sold at auction at that time. In some ways, this was the event that changed art sales and has brought us to the complications of our present moment. It was the sale that would eventually bring us that staggering sale of Salvatore Mundi. It started it all, the icon for a good long time of what a high-caliber art auction could look like. And at that time, as I mentioned, it was a shock to everyone. But I think there would have been no other person more surprised by such a sales price than the artist himself, a man besieged by mental illness and other health problems, loneliness, and professional disappointment. It's a fun game that many of us like to play, that wistful imagining of Vincent van Gogh resurrected for a brief moment to take solace in the fact that he has become, posthumously, one of the world's most beloved artists. Vincent van Gogh is someone we have covered extensively on Art Curious, both podcast and book, so I won't go too deeply on his biography here today. But do go back and listen to our episodes that aired earlier this summer, 2020, when the story of Vincent's life and death was voted by you, our listeners, as your number one favorite episode. You can get all of the great backstory there. But regardless of whether or not you've heard that episode, it's probably a given that you are aware of Van Gogh. He's an artist that continues to entrance and enchant millions today, the most blockbustery of blockbuster artists. His work draws immense crowds for any exhibition that features his works, and even immersive entertainment options that feature only projections of Van Gogh paintings, like the incredibly popular and super fun outing at the Atelier des Lumières in Paris, sell out constantly. There's no one like Vincent. And by the by, just so everyone is on the same page, I did a straw poll on Instagram a couple of months ago about how, as an American and an art historian, I should be pronouncing Van Gogh's much-debated last name. Suffice to say that, unless you are Dutch, the pronunciation is difficult. 
So I'm going to go ahead and continue using the Americanized pronunciation of Van Gogh. So onward we Van Gogh. Again, if Vincent miraculously popped up today, he would probably be flummoxed by all the attention. He wasn't terribly successful during his lifetime in terms of art sales, exhibition, and general popularity. Though he did indeed sell a couple of works, was known in art circles, and did show in exhibitions, and counted several well-known folks, like Claude Monet, as his fans. But for the most part, he wasn't where he wanted to be, professionally and personally, by the time of his death in July of 1890. Obviously, if we accept the idea of the artist as having been suicidal, then the months, or even just a few weeks prior to his death, the artist was at a very low point mentally. And this is the point during which a particular person came into his life. Dr. Paul Gachet. Gachet was a doctor introduced to the artist by Vincent's brother, Theo. Now, Gachet seems to be one of those people who had his hand in a little bit of everything. I've seen him discussed as a neuropath, a homeopath, a psychiatrist, and other variations, so it just might be that doctors in the late 19th century weren't as specialized as perhaps they are today. Gachet, in Theo van Gogh's point of view, would be an asset to his brother, someone who could keep a close eye on him in Theo's absence and could assist Vincent in his various health crises. Vincent was tentative about Gachet, writing to Teo about his first meeting with the doctor, saying, quote, I've seen Dr. Gachet, who gave me the impression of being rather eccentric, but his doctor's experience must keep him balanced himself while combating the nervous ailment from which it seems to me he's certainly suffering at least as seriously as I am, unquote. It's not the first time Vincent would mention the doctor's own mental issues, as we will soon see, but nevertheless, in his next letter to his brother, Vincent sounded much more hopeful about his chance for improvement due to his relationship with Gachet. He moved to Auvers-sur-Oise, where the doctor primarily practiced, to be in close proximity to Gachet, who by then had become the artist's friend and artistic patron. For a while, it seemed to work. For most of May 1890, the artist seemed generally happy and healthy, producing more works of art than in practically any other period in his short lifetime. And Dr. Gachet himself was the subject of two of these paintings, and even the one and only etching Van Gogh ever made, though the authenticity of the second painted portrait has been debated over time. It makes sense. Vincent often liked to paint not only the sights around him, but the people and he spent so much time with Paul Gachet that his interest in painting him must have been strong. The portrait of Dr. Gachet that we're concerning ourselves with today is the first version, the first of two similar, but by no means identical, portraits of the doctor. In both scenes, Van Gogh portrayed the good doctor resting at a red table in front of an abstracted blue background supporting his head with his right fist and his elbow planted firmly on the table. He wears a bright blue jacket and a cream-colored cap, just chilling here with a couple of bright yellow books, and in both canvases, he is accompanied by blooms of purple foxglove, the plant from which the substance digitalis is harvested, a substance that was frequently used for the treatment of many ailments in the late 19th century, and one that Gachet probably prescribed to Vincent. 
By the way, there are fantastic connections to Van Gogh's digitalis use and his ability to perceive certain colors, which I do mention in Art Curious, the book. So please check that out for even more detail. The first painted version of the Gachet portrait is, in my mind, the superior one, the better canvas than the second, which is now in the collection of the Musée d'Orsay in Paris. But both were completed in the same period, June of 1890, just one month before the artist's untimely death. Part of the superiority of the first canvas is in the handling of paint and color here, to be sure, but also in the doctor's expression, a kind of sightless seeing, a vacancy that looks beyond us, the viewers, into the sadness of the world. And indeed, this seems to have been Vincent's intention, as he wrote to his frenemy, Paul Gauguin, that the doctor's face represented the, quote, heartbroken expression of our time, unquote. It is, in all likelihood, the final portrait ever painted by the great artist, and one that he had originally envisioned as a, quote, unquote, modern portrait, imbued with emotion and psychological depth. And it delivers. You feel Gachet's exhaustion, his sadness, his desperation, perhaps, when you look into his face. Or maybe it's just a sensation of emptiness, that thousand-mile stare brought on by some existential crisis. Whatever it is, it's a portrait that goes beyond a representation of the sitter himself, but one that may even reflect the artist's own mindset. Indeed, Theo van Gogh originally mentioned that he felt Gachet resembled his own brother. It thus might not be a mistake that the final portrait bears more of a resemblance to the artist than it does to pictures of the real Paul Gachet. We know from van Gogh's many letters to his brother that the connection to Gachet had begun to sour somewhat in late May and early June of 1890. To Theo, he wrote, Quote, I think that we must not count on Dr. Gachet at all. First of all, he is sicker than I am, I think, or shall we say, just as much. So that's that. Now, when one blind man leads another blind man, don't they both fall into the ditch? Unquote. Nevertheless, the doctor continued to be an influence in the artist's life, the subject of these final portraits, and one of the men who tended to Vincent at his deathbed. Interesting tidbit, the doctor, who was himself an aspiring artist, even went so far as to create a sketch of Van Gogh on said deathbed, a work he later transcribed into an etching. At Vincent Van Gogh's funeral, Gachet eulogized his patient, calling him a, quote, honest man and a great man who had only two aims, art and humanity, unquote. Coming up next, if you think the story of Vincent's making of the Gachet portrait was interesting, just you wait until you hear about its record-breaking and mystery-making afterlife. Stay with us. I'm a big fan of The Great Courses Plus, and I know you know that by now. I love learning new things and doing so just for fun, all without the pressure of tests or grades or term papers. I just get to absorb whatever I want about making pasta from scratch or learning about public speaking or taking a visual trip across the globe, all because I want to. A subscription to The Great Courses Plus is a fantastic holiday gift idea for everyone on your list. 
the curious, knowledge-hungry folks, the trivia buffs, the hobby enthusiasts, and the people who already have everything. With a Great Courses Plus subscription, everyone on your list can get unlimited access to over 11,000 audio and video lectures by top professors and experts. There's everything from the history of European art to science fiction to learning a new language or even how to train your dog. I personally love trying out this new course with National Geographic, the guide to birding in North America. I love being able to look out my window and identify an eastern bluebird or an American goldfinch. And if you're into wildlife, this would be a great course for you too. And if you're not, that's cool because with the Great Courses Plus, there's something for everyone to enjoy. And there's flexibility to watch or listen anytime and anywhere. You can toggle between watching a lecture on a computer or TV or just listen to the audio only on the go through the Great Courses Plus app. This is high-quality, fact-based content that anyone can enjoy and trust right at their fingertips. Learn more about gift subscriptions by visiting my special URL today, thegreatcoursesplus.com art. And while you're here, start your own journey with a free 14-day trial. Go now to thegreatcoursesplus.com art. If you like podcasts like this one, then you enjoy experiencing immersive stories in an audio format. So that's why I'm sure you'll love Kobo audiobooks. Kobo has a huge catalog of audiobooks, including bestsellers and originals across all genres. And with the Kobo audiobooks subscription, you can enjoy an easy way to save money every single month. After a 30-day free trial, your subscription is only $12.99 per month for one monthly credit, and you can choose an audiobook from Kobo's catalog regardless of its list price, which is a steal considering the fact that some books can cost between $30 to $50, but not with Kobo. You just pay your monthly subscription fee and save, and your audiobook collection is yours forever, even if you cancel. For Art Curious fans, you can continue exploring and expanding your art knowledge with biographies, memoirs, and nonfiction audiobooks about your favorite artists, architects, and photographers. Discover more about the lives of Van Gogh, Frida Kahlo, and Picasso, among others, through a Kobo audiobook subscription. Remember that by using my special link, you'll get a 30-day free trial, no strings attached, and then pay only a fee of $12.99 a month. To get started, visit Kobo.com slash artcurious. Start listening to Kobo audiobooks today at Kobo.com slash artcurious. Welcome back to Art Curious. The journey that the portrait of Dr. Gachet took from this little portrait of a friend to a record-breaking superstar is a long, twisty, and interesting one. And so too are the travails of the second painted version, which I won't go into today, but might come up in a future episode. After Van Gogh's 1890 death, many of his artworks fell into the hands of his sister-in-law, Joanna, Theo Van Gogh's wife and widow, as Theo followed his older brother to the grave only six months later. Joe Van Gogh is another fascinating figure, and it's entirely possible that I'll cover more about her in a future episode. Suffice to say that she was her brother-in-law's artistic supporter, pushing his work in front of art collectors and critics long after the Van Gogh's brothers' passings. 
In the first decade of the 20th century, Joanna Van Gogh first sold the portrait of Dr. Gachet, which then changed hands a further two times at least, before it was acquired in 1911 by Stedel Gallery in Frankfurt, Germany. The story goes that the Stedel's art director was a forward-thinking man who was among the first in Germany to consider the artistic value of a Van Gogh, especially in the context of building up a collection of modern European artwork. Within this realm, Dr. Gachet gained some level of celebrity to the people of Frankfurt, who proudly considered the canvas as a citizen of their fair city. And thus it remained, and everyone lived happily ever after. Well, no. Unfortunately, such a blissful story ending isn't in the cards for the portrait of Gachet yet. We've got to get through the dark years of the rise of Adolf Hitler and the Second World War first. After Hitler's appointment as German Chancellor in 1933, he proclaimed a no-holds-barred cultural attack on any artwork that he considered quote-unquote degenerate. It's a subject we've discussed before on Art Curious, so be sure to go back to episode number 54 on Otto Dix to get all the details on degenerate art. Concerned about the portrait of Dr. Gachet and other sure-to-be-deemed-degenerate works, Stedel officials hid the painting in a secret room within the museum, and it remained there, surviving two raids of quote-unquote unacceptable artwork by the Third Reich's Ministry of Public Enlightenment and Propaganda. Alas, the third time was the charm for the Reich, and they located and looted the painting in 1937. From here, the work bounced around between the agents of Nazi party bigwig Hermann Goering and several other art collectors, and during the exodus of many Europeans of Jewish descent to the United States for sanctuary, one of them, Sigrid Kramarski, a German-born philanthropist, brought the portrait of Dr. Gachet along with him to New York City. The Kramarski family maintained ownership, or, given the iffy and complicated question of who gets to, quote, own looted artwork, perhaps we could just say that the Kramarski family claimed responsibility for the portrait of Dr. Gachet for most of the remainder of the 20th century. They occasionally loaned the painting out for exhibition, and in the 1980s, Siegfried Kramarski's heirs allowed the painting to be put on long-term loan at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It was a great move altogether, because public interest in the artist has been steadily on the rise since the 1930s, and the portrait of Dr. Gachet thus proved to be incredibly popular. It was also important in presenting an image of a close friend and confidant of Van Gogh, a powerful reminder of the artist's connection to others, and a great counterpoint to that traditional narrative of Van Gogh as tortured, lonely genius. And it is this moment in history where the iron strikes hot. Seeing the popularity of Van Gogh's works, as well as having a booming art market, led the Kramarski family to the decision to sell their prized possession. And they consigned it to the famed auction house Christie's in 1990. By all accounts, this was a good move. And both the family and Christie's had every reason to expect a nice return. As we know, Van Gogh was popular the world over by then. But by the late 1980s, one particular sector was super enthusiastic about collecting Van Gogh works. The Japanese elite. There seems to have been a rush on Van Gogh due to the artist's known interest in Japanese woodblock prints, 
which inspired some of his artworks during the final years of his life. Van Gogh wasn't the only artist at the time who was obsessed with what was then called Japonisme. Many artists were. And if you listen back to episode 68 on Katsushika Oi and her father, the great printmaker Hokusai, then you'll recall the fad among late 19th century Europeans for all things Japanese. But that double interest in Van Gogh and in Van Gogh's adoration of Japanisme made him deliciously tempting to Japanese art collectors. Just three years prior, in 1987, Van Gogh's sunflowers had sold for approximately $37.9 million at Christie's in London to a Japanese insurance titan. Further domestic sales of Van Gogh paintings were also faring very well. And the strength at that time of the Japanese currency, the yen, certainly couldn't hurt. But neither Christie's nor the Kramarski family expected the results of the auction on the evening of May 15, 1990. Based on the popularity of Van Gogh's works at the time, Christie's valued the portrait of Dr. Gachet at somewhere between 40 to 50 million dollars. Not a small chunk of change in the early 90s. And during the auction for the lot itself, things seemed to be going rather well. Bidders began to bid, and the going price began to rise. When the auctioneer called out a price of 50 million dollars, which was not only the upper limit at which the auction house had valued the work of art, but was also then the world record for the highest amount ever spent at an art auction, the audience began to applaud, understanding that they were witnessing an historic moment. And yet, the bidding didn't stop, with the price rising higher and higher until one secretive buyer remained, and the hammer dropped for a new world record. $82.5 million after fees, or an inflated price of about $161.4 million in today's dollars. Per typical auction house conservatism, the buyer of Portrait of Dr. Gachet wasn't immediately revealed. But it didn't stay hidden for too long. It soon became public knowledge that Ryoe Saito, an honorary chairman of the Daishoa Paper Company, now known as Nippon Paper Industries, had purchased it. And Saito was on a roll with his interest in acquiring Impressionist and Post-Impressionist art. Just two days after he bought the gachet, he dropped another $78.1 million for a work by Pierre-Auguste Renoir at auction rival Sotheby's. But his Van Gogh, that world record setter, was especially beloved by him. He guarded it jealously, not lending it to exhibition and only showed it to the closest of confidants and business associates. It was truly a reversal for the painting, which had gone from being publicly adored at the Met to privately held and seen by only an extremely elite few. And this here is the twist in the tale making this unexpected story even more surprising. Because the portrait of Dr. Gachet hasn't been seen in public at all since that sale in the spring of 1990. The rest of this story is coming up next, right after this break. Stay with us. This year has challenged businesses across the globe to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. 
Indeed is here to help you finish 2020 strong. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going strong. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month. So it's clear that Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com art. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash art. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Bloomberg Connects is the free smartphone app that lets you access museums, galleries, and cultural spaces around the world anytime and anywhere. An awesome way to connect to the art world you love right now from the comfort of your own home. The app takes a portfolio approach, offering access to many different cultural institutions through a single download. Bloomberg Connects offers users the chance to discover new cultural partners all over the world. Right now, guides are available for the Guggenheim Museum, the New York Botanical Garden, the Frick Collection, the Noguchi Museum, the Serpentine Galleries, and more, with new arts and cultural spaces being added all the time. Bloomberg Connects allows you to access digital guides, hear from artists, curators, and experts, and get the great stories behind the art. Download Bloomberg Connects today at the Apple App and Google Play stores or visit app.bloombergconnects.org slash artcurious. That's app.bloombergconnects.org slash artcurious. Welcome back to Art Curious. In the past 30 years, many have made it their mission to try and locate the portrait of Dr. Gachet because knowledge of the work's whereabouts became especially scarce after the death of its owner in 1996. Even Ryoe Saito's own son declared that he had never seen the work of art, nor did he know where it was located. And after the Metropolitan Museum of Art attempted to secure the loan of the portrait for a late 1990s exhibition, things became more worrisome. And here was their concern. In the early 1990s, Saito was publicly angered by the millions of dollars payable in taxes for both the Van Gogh and the Renoir he bought in 1990. Somewhat offhandedly, Saito then claimed that he intended to have the painting cremated alongside him after his death, so that his heirs wouldn't be saddled with the taxation burdens. Surely this was a joke, right? I mean, right? Suddenly, there was this intense fear that one of Van Gogh's most meaningful works from the last weeks of his life was just gone. And with that fear, a worldwide search, now more than 20 years in process, was begun. 
Much of the searching for the portrait of Dr. Gachet has been done by the Städel Museum in Frankfurt, the institution that had, for a period of time at the beginning of the 20th century, claimed Gachet as one of their star attractions. And just last year, 2019, the museum put out a five-part podcast series called Finding Van Gogh, in collaboration with journalist Johannes Nickelman, that details the ongoing search for the portrait. Definitely check out this podcast if you want to know all the nitty-gritty details about both the portrait and the ongoing search. Nickelman did extensive research, spoke to all the right people, and yet he was unable to get the explicit answers he sought. But he did receive confirmation, at least to a degree, about the painting's path after Ryoe Saito's death. And thankfully, that path did not go straight to the crematorium. After Saito's death, it appears his estate was handled by a Japanese bank. And the estate included, among many other assets, the Van Gogh and the Renoir. Secretively, in the late 1990s, Sotheby's was brought aboard to broker the sale of the portrait of Dr. Gachet to an anonymous buyer, one that has been theorized about after all these years as one Wolfgang Flotol, an uber-rich Austrian investment banker. But Nickelman was repeatedly told that Flotol no longer had the portrait of Dr. Gachet. It was now supposedly in the hands of someone else, another mysterious and secretive collector. Again and again, Nickelman heard the same answer. I know someone who knows where it is, but I can't tell you anything. Switzerland keeps popping up as a little hint, which makes good sense. As we discussed in our last episode on Mark Rothko and the so-called Bouvier affair, Switzerland's status as a tax haven is a boon for collectors of the world's priciest goods, including works of art. And another art world rumor swirls that the portrait's current owners are the family of a now-deceased Italian super collector, one who had already owned several other Van Gogh paintings. But we just don't know for sure. Nor do we know why the last few owners of the Gachet painting choose to be so secretive about it. But here's my best guess. We haven't seen the last of the portrait of Dr. Gachet. For me, it is now running a parallel life with that of Salvatore Mundi, as both works have been out of the public eye since their respective, very prominent auctions. We might not know where they are right now, but they are probably safe, and odds are that, either through another splashy sale or a surprise exhibition loan, we will see Dr. Gachet's face as lovingly delineated by Vincent van Gogh once again. Next time on the Art Curious Podcast, it's the Art Curious debut of one of the most popular artists from the early 20th century, an art deco master and one very iconic painting. Thank you for listening to the Art Curious Podcast. This episode was written, produced, and narrated by me, Jennifer Dassel, with additional writing and research help by Jordan McDonough and Joe Smallen. Our theme music is by Alex Davis at alexdavismusic.com, and our logo is by Dave Rainey at daverainydesign.com. Our audio production services are provided by Kabunki, the silliest name in superb podcasts and video. Let them help you too at kabonki.com. The Art Curious Podcast is sponsored primarily by AnchorLight. AnchorLight is a creative space founded with the intent of fostering artists, designers, and craftspeople at varying stages of their development. 
home to artist studios, residency opportunities, and exhibition space, AnchorLight encourages mentorship and the cross-pollination of skills among creatives in the triangle. Please visit AnchorLightRaleigh.com. The Art Curious Podcast is also fiscally sponsored by VAE Raleigh, a 501c3 nonprofit creativity incubator. For more details about our show, including the image mentioned in this episode today, please visit our website, artcuriouspodcast.com. There's also book and other reading recommendations on our site. And of course, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ArtCuriousPod. Check back with us in two weeks as we continue to explore the unexpected, slightly odd, and strangely wonderful in the most expensive works ever sold in art history. <laughs>